1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Farah Siddiqui. Um, I don't have to edit anything this week. If you listen to last week's episode, uh, there was a bunch of stuff I needed to edit out. Uh, and me and Joe were talking about editing stuff out. Uh, but I just thought it was hilarious. So I just left it in. On yeah, purpose, that's, why. that's why. On that's purpose. why. That's no, why. I put absolutely. it in to edit it. And I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> Let me put it in. But anyway. No, I don't want it any other way. Oh, man. Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy podcast again. Uh, I'm Faraz at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. I'm here with Joe the, analyst on Instagram. Go check us out there. Uh, but today, Joe, we want to talk about the AFC West. We talked about the AFC East last week. Uh, talked about the Jets, Patriots, Bills, and Dolphins. Uh, went in-depth into every position to see, you know, who we're aiming for, who we're avoiding, which ADPs we like. And we're going to do the same thing in this episode for the AFC West. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Joe, how's it going with you? Everything okay for the most part?
0: Yeah, everything's you know. Life, life keeps moving. Um,
1: life I, keeps yeah, moving. I, I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but you know, Darius guys, all charges got dismissed. <laughs> all charges got dismissed on Darius guys. And if you guys are familiar with Joe and and uh, I his, was, a his, fan.
0: was his was I want to say
1: was. Oh, okay, good. I'm glad you qualified that. Uh, he was a big Darius guys truther. I mean, you know, for football purposes, right? If like, I had known
0: if I had known what his actions were off the field, I, of course, but.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. But I, I think you were definitely a fan of his his football play, like his football style and the way he ran and, you know, his playmaking ability. And I, I totally understand that. Um, I think my knocks on him always was that, you know, like, I don't know how effective he would be after certain injuries and all that kind of stuff, but you know, that's, uh, you know, we'll see like if NFL teams are going to be interested in him after what happened, uh, you know, his tar- charges did get dropped, as you mentioned. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if teams end up, you know, knocking, knocking on his door and calling his agent if he still has one. Um, but yeah. So, all right. So let's get into the uh, AFC West. Uh, we're going to go position by position through each of these teams, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers. And let's go ahead and start with the Broncos. Um so quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Lock. right? There's a competition going on between these two. And I think, I don't know, like I, I think it ends up being Teddy Bridgewater at some point, unless Drew Locke, you know, made some big improvements from last season. There is some talks about Drew Locke, you know, looking a little bit better you know um but there's also some mistakes being made it's okay it's otas but uh if they're listen drew luck has a big arm right he has like ability right but he has to put it together especially considering the accuracy uh issues that he had last year right um so let me ask you a question like uh i think neither of these guys are going to be a quarterback option quarterback one option i think um so, do you think that like there is a world where, uh, because of the fact that these guys have so many weapons on this team, and we'll get we'll get to these weapons, do you think there's any way that you know these guys will be fantasy relevant in one quarterback leagues?
0: In if you're desperate for a streaming option, and one of these guys is guaranteed to start and play the whole game that week, and they have a good matchup, then maybe they'll get consideration as a desperate streamer. But as of right now, I don't envision Drew Locke being any type of guy to buy into, or Teddy Bridgewater for that matter. Um, like you said, it's an open competition right now. I think the Broncos would be stupid to not let Drew Locke start the season, at least. You know, Give the guy who started last year a chance to try to improve on his accuracy. Like you mentioned, see what he can do with a full fudge of weapons with Cortland Sutton back, Jerry Judy, there, a good O-line Noah fan, all that Javante Williams in that backfield now. So yeah, I mean, give, give the kid a chance with those weapons. And if he can't produce, can't do anything. This is what his third year now, then, you know, it's time to turn over the reins to Teddy Bridgewater. So um, yeah, I mean, I think they'd be stupid not to do that. And there's also two guys in this equation that uh, might enter the conversation which is Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson we still don't know their status they've both been rumored to go to a team like the Broncos Watson especially Rodgers if he doesn't get a situation in Green Bay figured out I doubt Rodgers doesn't play at all but um, Denver has been a spot that really has been outspoken about wanting a quarterback like Rodgers or Watson so it's going to be interesting
1: yeah um and that's another one. It's another reason to potentially buy these wide receivers, right? Like for that small chance that one of these quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, makes their way to, to Denver, right? Um, but if they don't do that, right, let's say Teddy Bridgewater's a quarterback. We know that he can, you know, keep fantasy wide receivers very fantasy relevant, right? He did it last year with Robbie, with DJ Moore, with Curtis Samuel, right? Uh, he didn't quite elevate DJ Moore to his ceiling, um, and he won't do that with any of these wide receivers. Uh, but to me, that connection, you know, is super obvious, you know, to all the beat reporters in Denver, that connection is is tending to, to Jerry Judy, right? Yep. And I've been saying that this is a good match as soon as this trade happened, right? Judy is a wonderful separator, um, you know, and, and, and Teddy said it himself, like, he, that he's not going – he just said this recently, that like he's not a guy who's going to throw 80 yards like Drew Locke, but he's going to anticipate throws. And when a guy can separate like Judy, that's going to be his guy, right? And not so much a guy like Quilton Sutton. Now, in games that Drew Locke plays, like, the better play might end up being Sutton between the two. But as of yeah. right now, I do think that Teddy starts more games this year. Uh, he, Uh I think he has a chance – to start week one, like, if if there's a real separation there between these two guys in camp. Um, And and I think Judy is going to benefit big time.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, like you said, I think there's a great connection between Teddy Bridgewater and Jerry Judy. Um, Judy works a little bit in the slot, some outside. We saw Curtis Samuel last year working in the slot. He had his most productive year ever with Teddy Bridgewater there. So, yeah, it's definitely possible that um, Jerry Judy is a huge beneficiary of that. Uh, while we're in the wide receiver conversation, we talked about Sutton. We talked about Jerry Judy. How concerned are you about Sutton coming off that torn ACL?
1: Um, I'm not. So I'm not really high on Sutton. Um, and you one either, of the reasons really. for that is Jerry Judy. You know, he's he has the potential to be the number one. You yeah. know, in this offense, right? Like he was sixth in air yards last year with Drew Locke, right? Um, I think that with Cortland Sutton coming back, he is a legit. Like I think he's a legit number one wide receiver in the NFL. Like he's not like elite, but he he can you know kind of be that number one wide receiver, Um, similar to someone like Kenny Galladay. Like similar type of you know body type, similar type of contested catch rate, that sort of thing. Um, But coming off the injury, I don't I don't view that as a huge negative to him. Um, But I do view the quarterback instability being more of a negative to him, right? Because if Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are, you know, they're they're interchanging these guys throughout the year, um, you know, I just think that his style doesn't fit either. Now, with Drew Locke, it's very possible that Judy still gets his targets, right? And Drew Locke can improve just a little bit. So I think that Judy has the better chance of winning with either quarterback, right? Now, Judy did have the most uncatchable targets in the league last year, right? With Drew Locke. Uh 24% of his targets were uncatchable because of the quarterback, right? That faulted to the quarterback. That was also the highest rate in the NFL. So I, I'm I'm completely welcoming you know Two gloves to help Judy potentially become that like solid wide receiver too this year. Uh more valuable in PPR because of the fact that this will likely be like a a high reception high yardage type of production rather than you know touchdowns from teddy which is not something that he's done in his career um and dude, like look at judy's price man like he's he's going in the eighth round right now in regular leagues like that's ridiculous value um and i feel like that's his floor his ceiling i feel like is in the fourth round somewhere so like i like that room to play right i like drafting guys in at their at their you know bottom bottom price um So, yeah. So, let let me ask you, though. What do you think about Sutton? Um, Do you think he can bounce back and do his thing regardless of quarterback? Do you think, like, he needs Julat to be that guy? How are you viewing Sutton going into the year? So, Sutton's not someone who I'm necessarily a fan of. A lot of people say Sutton's a
0: talented player. And I agree. Sutton is a very talented wide receiver. But he's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not Stephon Diggs. And and I'm not saying you said that because you didn't. But No, but do you think people are saying that, though? I mean, nobody's comparing him to that high of a standard, but people are saying he is clearly and obviously the alpha wide receiver in Denver. There's a lot of people who are saying that. And I I really just don't think that's the case. I really just don't think Sutton is this guaranteed wide receiver one in Denver. I think Judy is not easily more talented, but I think Judy has the capability of being more talented, and yep. he showed last year some good, uh, like you said, a great separation. He was my favorite wide receiver as a rookie last year, so um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to like about Judy here. And Sutton coming off that torn ACL, like you said, it's not something I'm necessarily too worried about, but you know, w- with within his steps to recovery, and how is that going to limit him in the offseason? What are his capabilities? He is going to be prone to more soft tissue like hamstrings and other things like that. So that's something to keep an eye out. There's a chance he does miss a few games here and there. So um, especially with 17 games, I mean, that extra game, that's a whole extra week of getting smacked with pads on. So that definitely has an effect. But yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily targeting Sutton. I'd love to get Judy in as many leagues as I can. No matter the situation, sometimes you just got to buy into the talent. And I think Judy is a great talent. And whether it's Drew Locke or whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, I think he can succeed, as you mentioned. I just get especially, worried a little bit about the crowd You know,
1: Especially at the price, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, you said you're worried about the offense overall? Well, I mean, like the offense,
0: everything except the quarterback for this team, oddly enough, is in a position to succeed. I mean, you have Noah right. Fant, you have – Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, you have two great running backs. You have a decent offensive line. You have K.J. Hamler, who's a second-round wide receiver last year. Yep. Tim Patrick, who was very effective last year, and even out-targeted Judy in a ton of games as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of very capable offensive weapons on this team. It really just comes down to the quarterback play. So, um, with that being said, K.J. Hamler, is there any – now, let's say the extreme scenario where Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson – make their way into Denver. Is KJ Hamler someone who you see could be a value at the end of the drafts? Is he someone you're looking to target in dynasty? Is he not even someone on your radar with like Tim Patrick still there? Or how are you viewing
1: KJ Hamler? I think in dynasty, he ends up being overvalued. If someone like Rogers and and, and Deshaun Watson end up going there, I think people will sell him, but sell him to, you know, sell him high. And I think people will buy. Um, I, I I am, I do like Cajun Hamler though. I think he's a good route runner, um, especially out of the slot. He can definitely, you know, separate big time. So I I would be a fan of drafting Cajun Hamler late in drafts. I would be a fan of, you know, picking him up wherever I can, um, you know, in terms of redraft, like, you know, on waivers and stuff like that. Cause in dynasty, obviously he's rostered everywhere. Um, but you know, he's somebody who's very talented. He's somebody who broke out early. Um, so I'm, you know, I like him. You know, and I would definitely be interested. Now, listen, I wouldn't even count out, you know, um, KJ Hamlet to be relevant with someone like T- Teddy Bridgewater. I wouldn't surprise me, but I'm in. By no means am I going after him or like even paying attention to him before Week One, uh, before yeah. anything happens. Now we, and we we didn't even talk about Noah Fant, right? Like Noah exactly. Fant is somebody who you know can easily be the second target in this offense, the third target in this offense. Um, you know, he's, ex- he's an extremely talented tight end. He could be one of the top ends in the league. Um, just last year he got hurt, you know, the offense wasn't great. So it didn't happen for him, but it could definitely um, work out for him this year. I think he's going into his, what is his third year now? Yeah. <laughs> he's going into his third yeah. year. And that's sometimes when we see the biggest jump, uh, you know, in the Titans career. So uh, I could totally see that happening. Uh, you know, we'll yeah. see. You know, this is this could be a very high-powered offense if they do get their quarterback situation uh, right. Yeah, and I, I don't want to um,
0: discount the fact either or the possibility, rather, that Drew Locke can improve, right? There is a world where Drew Locke, after having, you know, what do you go, like 3-0 or 3-1 and as a starter, as a rookie? There is a chance with all the weapons around him that Locke, takes it up a notch and not necessarily pulling a Josh Allen or anything like that, but just kind of showing a little bit of his upside. There's a chance that he can prove to the Broncos. He is their franchise quarterback. How high is that chance? Who knows? You know, right now it's not looking pretty in the off season. Teddy Bridgewater is winning a lot of these battles and OTAs, but for the most part, there is a world where that's capability. Um, Noah Fant himself, I mean, he seems to be, in terms of drafting, like the last acceptable tight end that I want to draft every single in this year, right? Yeah, like, he's, he's me, going
1: in the eighth round yeah. uh, or so. That's his price tag. Are, are, you, are you good with that price? I'm good with that price, and I feel like a lot
0: of it this year especially is, you know, you're going to get Kelsey at the end of the first, beginning of the second. You got Waller and Kittle going in that third round. And then T.J. Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, all in that fifth to sixth range. Kyle got Kyle Goddard, Dallas Goddard, and um, Noah Fant in that seven to eight range. And especially yeah. if Zach Ertz gets traded, which is you know of the recent news, Goddard might even go higher. So yeah, Noah Fant's kind of like that last guy who I really want to take as my starting tight end. If I've ignored the position up to that point, it's got to be a priority to get Fant because after that. You know, you get guys like Logan Thomas, Mike Ezekie, Robert Tanyan, who are okay, but I feel like Fant has the upside that those guys really don't.
1: Yeah, no, no, I hear that. I hear that. Um, Okay, let's move on to running back. This is the big question, right? Um, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, is this going to be an annoying backfield to have a part of on your fantasy team, assuming that both guys are healthy? Is there a world where Javante just runs away with a job at some point? I mean, no disrespect to Philip Lindsay, but if he was able to get as much of a share as he did last year in the backfield, like what will a guy who is as highly touted and talented like Javante gonna do? Right. Um, I don't think they just sit Gordon or limit his touches to the point where Javante is getting like, you know, 17, 18 touches a game. But you know, if it ends up being a 50-50 split, right? It could be that if Javante completely breaks out at some point in a big way. You know, that's a possibility too, right? Like, are you considering him at his price, you know, six-seven turn or so in PPR leagues? Uh, and yeah. by the way, Gordon Gordon is being taken about a round later, yeah. seven, around seven, the seven-eight turn.
0: I think that's as it should be, right? I think Jeron yeah. Williams should usually being should be taken over Melvin Gordon. I don't think this is gonna be a situation where either of these guys is gonna be commanding some sort of workhorse role. I think that's the idea for a guy like Pat Shermer, who historically has ran with workhorse running backs. But at the same time, I mean, Javante, for me, he's fresh, he's new, he's very, very talented. Um, Gordon, he's had some off-the-field issues. He's had some efficiency issues, you know, through his career with the Chargers early on. And he's a great player, but at the same time, they traded up for Javante for a reason, right? Like Melvin yeah. Gordon's going to be free agent after this year. And I think if, you know, come the last four or five games, we could see kind of like a J.K. Dobbins type, uh, like a J.K. Dobbins type track for someone like Williams to where if he's not too much involved early on towards the end of the year, we might see him get a bigger role, kind of like Dobbins did last year with Mark Ingram. So, um, yeah,
1: I can see that. I, I, I don't think I'll be trying to get Gordon at all. Unless he really yeah. falls, right? Um, I, I think it's possible that he becomes dead weight. Like, that's definitely in the, in the realm of possibility with Melvin Gordon, you know, because of himself getting older and also because of Javante's presence and him potentially yeah. really breaking out. And I just don't want any part of that. Like, I just hate dead weight on my fantasy team, right? Yeah. Um, and if that's a possibility, I might lean to try to avoid those players. The only way I grab him is if I become desperate at the running back position and I'll be doing my best not to be in that position, you know, in the seventh round. Um, So, like, I'd much rather get desperate and draft Javante at his price, but I'm not sure I will. Like, if either get hurt, the other obviously gets elevated a ton. But if Gordon gets hurt, I think Javante Williams is, like, a potential league winner.
0: Exactly. And I think the, the thing with that, too, is a lot of these deadweight guys like you're talking about, Um, you know just either veterans who have a rookie replacing them or split backfields not necessarily a part where you you know guys who's who have downside and not upside so to speak like melvin gordon
1: um
0: the thing with dumb is like if you're going to start them if you're going to use them as a fantasy asset you're going to use them early right like you either got to start melvin gordon week one and week two or you're just not really going to be able to use them because with a guy like that, we just mentioned he has downside, not upside. So as the season progresses, there's a chance Devonta Williams sees a higher higher and higher role, unless he gets injured, obviously. But um, you know, point being, like, are you comfortable even if you draft Melvin Gordon the seventh, eighth, ninth round? Are you really gonna be looking to start him week one or two? Like exactly. at that point, is he really not. even worth the
1: draft pick, right? Because yeah, no, like
0: no. W- that's when you gotta use him. You gotta use him early on. If you're not even gonna use him early on, what's
1: the point? Yeah, exactly. And who's going to get goal line carries? Are they going to split it? You know, like what, what is Gordon going to command that role? Like not necessarily like nope. Javante Williams. And is you Williams
0: to... is this otherworldly talent. I mean, I, I don't know if you were as crazy about him as I am. Yeah. Pretty sure you were, well,
1: but exactly. And, but I mean, look at Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon was an amazing talent coming out of college as well. Like he was one of the be- the most highly touted backs in a while. Um, but you know, he's not the guy anymore. you know that was that was, that was several years ago.
0: You're not that um, guy, pal. You're not that guy.
1: <laughs> if you've seen. That. All right, me. let's move on to the Chiefs. Um, Their quarterback's name is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick um, Mahomes. He's pretty man. good. He's pretty good. Eye um, eye let me ask you a question. Would you Would you pay for Mahomes in the third round? No, nope. I wouldn't.
0: Okay. Nope. Cool. Late fourth, if he's there, sure. But yeah. you know, it's with the amount of quarterbacks. One of the things we talked about, I believe it wasn't too long ago, is Lamar Jackson. I mean. How much of a difference at the end of the year is there going to be between Lamar and Patrick Mahomes and the fact that you can get Jackson? I saw him going in the fifth, sixth round in one yeah, of my leagues. Yeah. He fell that well, that's far. That's where he's going. So yeah. there's no there's no physical reason to take Mahomes in that fourth, third, fourth round if you can get a guy like Lamar Jackson in the fifth or sixth. It's just There's no logical explanation for that.
1: Exactly, exactly. Now, another a guy who I'd rather take in the third round is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? He's okay. the sixth. 15th running back off the board. And I feel like this RB16 is his floor. Like going into his second year, capable on all three downs. He's one of the best offenses in the league. Now, before Lev Bell showed up last year, he was averaging 21 touches a game, right? And in that period, he hardly scored any touchdowns. He scored he scored like one or two. And and we like when you know, when you look at the numbers, that a lot more touchdowns are usually correlated with the amount of touches that he had, right? Um, so no like he's not allergic to touchdowns. He's not incapable of scoring goal line
0: touchdowns. To touchdowns. I'm going to
1: use it. <laughs> he's not incapable <laughs> of scoring goal line touchdowns. Like people are like, "Well, he's not a goal line guy." Just because of the, you know, the four or five goal line carries that they saw that he couldn't convert. It was just unfortunate, right? It's 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 really that simple. And if he gets nearly a similar workload this year, those touchdowns are going to follow. Um we know what the Chiefs wanted to do with him right and we know what they wanted out of him and, and i think they're going to give him that this year and i'm willing to take make the third round investment to take that chance they do they cut damian williams right and you know and 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 ceh was averaging 50 percent of snaps in that three-man backfield last year so i think that gets upped to like 65 percent of snaps or so and i think that's more than enough for him to become a fringe rb1 um, you know, with even higher upside, if he's given that full workload.
0: And so Clyde is someone I'm a little mixed on. Um, I, I know that Andy Reed historically has this workhorse guy, but there really hasn't been that type of guy in this offense since Kareem Hunt. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know if Clyde is that guy. I mean, like he's talented. Absolutely. But first of all, is he built for this type of 21 touches a game role? And second of all, I mean, how how do we feel about the fact that they brought Le'Veon Bell on board? How do we feel about the fact that Daryl Williams was seeing a larger workload at the end of the year? Those are things I'm concerned about, because what if they don't view Clyde as this three down guy? Like, sure. and, And don't get me wrong. That just makes his price point fair. Right. It doesn't mean he's not a value in the third round because this is still the highest powered, you know, the best offense in the entire league. And you want the running back on that offense. But, you know, overall, I just, I'm just afraid of him being overvalued. Right. Cause I feel like as a rookie, he was overvalued. He was being drafted like fourth overall in the entire yep. draft, which if he got 21 touches a game, sure, I could see that, you know, paying off, I guess. But at the same time, like, that was just way too high. I, I just don't see a situation where we're drafting Clyde that high, but we're not drafting Najee Harris in the first round. Like to me, that like it doesn't really correlate in my head. Of like, well, Najee's the, the, a guy who has a clear path to 300 touches.
1: Yeah. You know well, I mean? you know, I think a lot of people assumed that Clyde, I would say, was gonna was going to get that type of workload, and he did. Right, he did get get that early workload on. on. Yeah, early on, right. And we like everybody who thought that he was going to get the full workload, they were right. But yeah. it, didn't, it didn't work out, right? And they brought in other guys, and they started giving him – now, listen, he was a rookie, right? He came in. Um, I guess, you know, they, they thought that he needed some help, and they brought some help in. That didn't work out because, you know, no running back came in and did an amazing job. Andy Reid did like the work that Dow Williams did, right? Uh, and the fact that they caught Damian Williams was surprising to me. You know, I thought that Damian Williams – he was a restricted free agent. They didn't mm-hmm. have the pony up as too much money to keep him on the team, but they did but they did cut him right um so i did find that interesting now to pay a third rounder now i feel like that's a discount right i don't think he's being overdrafted he's being drafted at the rb 16 which is a almost a mid rb2 so i'm i'm happy paying that price for the upside that's that the upside potential um Remember when Kareem Hunt, like you said that, you know, they didn't have anybody since Kareem Hunt that was a workhorse, but Kareem Hunt was the last guy they had that had relatively high draft capital. And I think he was, a, he himself was a third round pick. Right. Um, and on top of that, they weren't even planning on using Kareem Hunt like that, that first year. Right. Um, uh, What's his face got hurt. Um, Spencer Ware that year, Spencer Ware got hurt too. Right. So he was the guy supposed to be at least splitting the work, you know, with Kareem Hunt or getting the lion's share of the work. So he got hurt before the season started. That, that you know, catapulted Kareem Hunt up draft boards and people were drafting him in the third round or so at the, at the highest, you know, when that news broke. Because that news broke right before uh, the season started, maybe like a week before the season started um, or even a few yeah. days, actually. So it's one of those situations where I'm willing to pay for Clyde edwards I can't imagine him not being an RB2. So if I can't imagine him not being at least an RB2, Uh, I want to be able to like get him while I can at a good price. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to pay for it because of the offense that he's on. I like his price. He's very capable in the pass game.
0: Yeah, and I I definitely like his price right now. Um, you know, creeping into that mid-second round range with. You know, if you're doing any of these real drafts right now, that's where a lot of times he's being taken. I mean, in that first round, I, I would not be surprised if, in the first round, with Devonte Adams' situation being as up in the air as it is, we could see ten to eleven running backs literally going in the first round. Like it, it happened yeah. in the uh, I think it was in the Throne League. It literally happened where we had yeah. just it was Diggs and Hill that went at the very, very end of the first round. We had ten running backs go right off the spot and when that happens, I mean, of course, more running backs are going to be taken in the next round to follow. So Clyde's going to end up shifting into the second round, which still he would still be taken as like the running back 13, 14, 15, whatever. So I guess at that point you're getting your worth. But I, I just have concerns about whether Andy Reid is actually going to make him the true workhorse. And if he is, can he really handle that type of load? So 100%. there are you know what? minor even... questions for me, you know.
1: No, hundred percent, and there should be. There should be. He, this is not a situation where like we're hundred percent sure of what's going to happen here, yeah. right? Uh, but I, I'm okay if he's not the workhorse. But sixty five percent of snaps or so, I'm cool with that. I'm cool sure. with that because that is the threshold where Andy Reid running backs have like big ballers, right? Yeah. Been RB ones. Um, so I'm okay with that. Jamal Charles did it. Obviously, he was an otherworldly other talent. Uh, but all of these guys, Kareem Hunt, that's all they really needed um, for them to. Uh, same thing with Damian Williams. You know, and, you know that's all they needed. You know, I'm um, looking at his numbers from last year. Glad <laughs> it was later. Already had he had 54 targets last year, dude. You know, and like his rookie he year, he missed games. He wasn't playing the full complement of snaps. So 54 targets in this type of season, like if he gets 65 percent of snaps, plays every game, he could see 80 targets. Yeah, and you I mean, know? what what's happened with the Chiefs since last year? It's not like they've really brought in.
0: Any other weapons. They were close to signing Juju, but all they've done is let Sammy Watkins walk. You know, that, in terms of weapons, that's really all they've done. So there's no reason to think he can't get more targets. Um, and the their offensive
1: thing, line, too. The, the, the offensive, offensive line increases. is a little
0: tricky because their entire starting unit has changed right. left tackle, guard, center, right? You know, they have <laughs> Duvernay, who literally was opted out last year. You know, he's a doctor, great for him. But point, point being, like, they literally have an entire new unit who has no continuity with each other this year. So I, I think that's going to, they're all great players too. It's not like they downgraded really at any of these positions, but it's going to take time for them to kind of be cohesive as a unit. I think we're going to see a couple of weeks early on where, you know, there might be some missed assignments or whatever, but um, as they begin to work more together throughout the season, I think, that's when we're really going to see this explosion at the end of the year with this whole entire offense. So
1: yeah, it's true. That's a good point. I mean, one of the keys with any offensive line is for them to be working together for yeah. you know for for a good period of time. Like the best teams historically, a lot of times have you know been had this relatively same offensive line for a couple of seasons.
0: Yeah, like the Patriots. I mean, why why bring yeah. back a guy like Trent Brown? You know. Right, because he's continuity, familiarity with the offense. Why yeah. not just get that thing, keep that engine rolling?
1: Okay, so moving on to the other positions, Tyreek Hill. You know he's a monster, worth every penny of is his late first round. Is he a wide receiver one right now? Um, with Adam's situation being up in the air yeah, with Rodgers, yeah, I think so. It's between for me, it's between him and Diggs. So between for me, him and Diggs. he is clear in a way the wide receiver one. For me.
0: And yeah. Tyreek Hill, for a lot of years, has been a guy. Where I've been like, all right, if he could just get consistent targets, because for the longest time he was 50 points here, five point game here, 70 points here, (laughs) like eight point game here. But last year, he finally had that consistency on a week to week basis. Tyreek Hill was an every week wide receiver one. And, you know, even if he didn't exactly hit the wide receiver one, he was putting up respectable numbers every single week. It wasn't a hit or miss kind of thing. And that's really all that was missing for his value. So I feel like being in the best offense in the entire league, only losing a guy like Sammy Watkins. There's no reason for me that Tyreek Hill can't be the wide receiver one this year, even if Adams does. Even if Rogers does come back and play, I still think there is a chance that Tyreek Hill runs away with the wide receiver one position.
1: But yeah, yeah, for sure. He's definitely in the running no matter what. And, and you know, the one thing with Diggs, too that's interesting is that I don't even know if Cole Beasley's going to play this year, man. <laughs> Cole yeah, Beasley, right? like Cole, Cole Beasley, like he might retire because he's not he's not interested in following any COVID nineteen guidelines. So if 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 Cole Beasley ends up retiring, uh, this is going to look like a uh, you know wh- whatever targets we were projecting for AJ Brown, just move that over to Stephon Diggs. Because Stephon Diggs might get 180 targets this year if that happens. Yeah. Okay, um, one guy that I, I would look out for a little bit. There is some buzz around uh, Byron Pringle right now. Yeah. Um, you know he's 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 doing his thing in OTAs, and you might want to consider him having consider having him. You know at, at the end of your roster. You know, right before week one, maybe don't draft them, but maybe like, you know, there's a guy, you know, right before week one, like on that Wednesday or something before the season starts. And you're like, you know what, this guy, I don't even want him a roster. You drop him, pick it up, pick up Byron Pringle just to see if he pulls a Sammy Watkins right in week one. Yeah. Right. And, and it's very possible. Like there are, you know, he, his, he doesn't have terrible draft capital or anything like that, Um but there are certain touts who have liked Byron Pringle since he was drafted. Uh, he's made a, you know a couple of plays here and there when he's got an opportunity, um, just like, uh, you know, a super, super deep sleeper, um, you know, going into next season, obviously they have McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman has had his opportunity, you know, here and there, you know, he's been very hit or miss um, really just about the long play with him, just about the speed with him uh, when he's gotten open wide open, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, something to look out for. It's going to be interesting to see what the, um, what the chiefs do
0: with the fourth target on this team. I mean, is that fourth target going to split between like Demarcus Robinson, uh, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, as you mentioned, or is one guy really going to stick out? Because I think that's a world where, you know, Hardman, he's going to have that week to week, huge big game upside, right. Especially with Watkins gone, that's just extra targets to throw into the mix. Um, But can Byron Pringle, if he's got all this hype around him, really step up and own that wide receiver two role. Because if exactly. he does, there's definitely, you know, if, if there's a forced target to buy in in any team in the entire NFL, it's going to be the Chiefs. So exactly. I think, you know, in, in that sense, with the hype he's been getting, he might be worth a stab at your last pick.
1: Exactly. Um, Travis Kelsey, obviously somebody I'm, I'd be willing to take, you know, after I have one workhorse running back on my team. Like to anchor my team, I'm completely fine with him as my second round pick in drafts. But you would not um, want Kelsey
0: at the end of the first if you had like the tenth or eleventh pick, because obviously twelve yeah. you can just it doesn't really matter twelve or yeah. One, I, I,
1: I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Um, but if, if there are like one or two, you know, like workhorse running backs that I really like, I'm gonna take that workhorse running back. So for example, I'm gonna give you an example right now: Travis Kelsey or Austin Eckler. I'm taking Austin Eckler. And we're talking about full PPR leagues because I want to get that, that, that running back who's going to be able to anchor my team. If I don't know that I'm going to be able to get that guy early second round, then I don't think I'm going to go Kelsey. Um, And in a lot of leagues, there's still a very good chance that you're going to be able to get Kelsey in in, at, you know, with your early second round pick. Now, if you're in a sharp league, you might not be able to, uh, but at the same time, like I'd rather get that running back. If, if, the running backs on the board don't make me happy. But if there are yeah. like four or five running backs that I'm perfectly – I put them all in the same tier, then I'm going to go Kelsey first and save that running back pick for the for my early second-round pick. Yeah, I like that. I'm on a similar boat with
0: Kelsey. Like, I understand the positional advantage, but I feel like you can get a similar positional advantage with a guy like Waller or Kittle – and you don't have yeah. to pay a first round pick and you don't have to pay yeah. early second round pick for that same type of value. And, and I know even the difference last year between Kelsey and Waller was pretty big. was like it was three, huge. like four or five points, but on a points per game basis. But, you know, in, in the end, it's just, what are you willing to give up if that happens? Right. Cause if you're picking 11th, you're probably not going to get your hands on a good running back too at the end of the third.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Unless you're getting my boy Mike Davis. You know what I'm saying? Alright,
0: anyway.
1: or... <laughs> right, let's move on to the Raiders. Uh, quarterback, Derek Carr. Not a fantasy-relevant quarterback in one quarterback leagues. We, in two he, quarterback leagues, sure, uh, but he would be my third quarterback to be used yep. when desperate, when my second quarterback gets hurt. The last sounding quarterback you should take. There you go. Other than Derek um,
0: Goff, because there's no one physically else able to take the job from him.
1: Okay, we talked about this on the podcast multiple times, but just to reiterate my stance on this backfield, i much rather have Kenyon Drake late in drafts. He's going in the 10th round right now in 12-team PPR leagues. Josh Jacobs is going in the fourth. I'm all the way out on Josh Jacobs in the fourth round. Like, I'm all the way out, right? I don't care if I need an RB2. I'll keep stacking wide receivers. even if Even with Jacobs on the board in the fourth round, like, I'm good. And plus, I play a lot of three-wide receiver leagues, two-flex leagues, so I'll be fine, right? Um, He's going to be an inconsistent touchdown-dependent back. Like, if I want Josh Jacobs, I'll draft James Robinson in the seventh round. Watch at the end of the year how close they're going to be, dude. I honestly think so. And Kenyon Drake, you look at his contract. He signed a better contract than Chris Carson this year. Got more guaranteed money than Chris Carson, $11 million compared to $5 million. And it's not like the Raiders... Can even get out of that contract, you know, in a cap friendly way after this year. Um, I think he's gonna be their primary passing down guy. We know that that, that that's not Jacobs, right? Like, like his history yeah. tells us that, especially with this coaching staff. Um, and, and you know, Drake is gonna be the guy racking up the receptions, not Jacobs. And he'll also likely play a role on early downs, too. Like Drake was primarily the Cardinals early down back last year. Like Cliff Kingsbury, who knows what he's doing, but Now he'll have some type of role on all three downs, like possibly even catching some balls on early downs as well. Uh, You know, given the fact that the Raiders don't have anything noteworthy, like besides Darren Waller as a pass catcher, like like Drake is going to be a target of mine, like because of the range of outcomes for him include him being a potential weekly PPR flex option, maybe even an RB2 if things go right. Like, Ten to twelve carries per game, four receptions per game. Like I don't think that's out of the question for Drake. Um,
0: what I will say is I th- I think Jacobs is going to own this carry the carries in this backfield.
1: Like Jacobs what percentage definitely... of the
0: carries do you think? I think Jacobs can still see with 17 games. I think Jacobs can yeah. see
1: well, uh, anywhere between uh,
0: uh, 240 to 260 carries.
1: Let's think of it on a per game basis. Like okay. Like let's say a typical Raiders game. Both guys are healthy. Like how many carries do you think Jacobs sees and how many carries do you think Drake sees? Um I think it depends on the
0: game. I think Jacobs sure. can see between anywhere between like 15 to like 25 if they're okay. really in the right game script. Yeah. I think Drake um, at most, he might see 15, but that's really going to be games where Jacob kind of gets game scripted out. Or for the right. most part, I think Drake is really going to lie in that five to 10 range. I think he's going to be when he's on the field, I think they're going to be using more as a pass catcher, like you said. Um, and I know like, if you're so, so at can, Bath-
1: can I ask you this question though, sure. like, do you think they signed him to this contract to only use him as a pass catcher?
0: Look, I don't want to put, anything past uh what the hell is mike mayock look he's been he's been on some other shit with these drafts he's a hall of fame players
1: yeah hall Um, of fame gm
0: (laughs) him him and bill o'brien are in the same category right now as gms um, as gms GMs. yeah Yeah, like look i i don't know I, i i feel like mayock and gruden as much as they say they're on the same page they really aren't Gruden seems to love to keep touting Jacobs no matter how much money they gave Drake, um, you know, how much they don't use Jacobs in certain situations. He just loves to keep touting him as their best player and so forth. So, you know, I, I really don't know. It, it, it's tough. And I guess if you're playing the ADP game, yeah, Ken and Drake makes a lot more sense in the 10th round, but at the same time, Jacobs, if you take him. I, yeah, I understand the fourth round. I think like I won't be touching him in the fourth. But if he falls to the fifth round, and I could take him as my running back three, if he's got a good matchup this week, he might be good for a hundred plus and two touchdowns, right? And that's hundred percent. He's going that, to have those games exactly, and and those games honestly aren't that hard to predict either, because you can look at the matchup and you could say, oh, like Fanduel or DraftKings this week, I'm hundred percent using Drake. Or, you know, if I have him as a flex option with another wide receiver, yeah, I'd love to throw him in this week. With Drake, yes, we can look at the matchup and say, okay, this might be more of a Drake game. But do I feel comfortable starting him in my flex, right? Because if it's not a Drake game, maybe Henry Ruggs or Brian, uh, Brian Edwards or... Hunter Renfro, make a name for himself. Or maybe it's just a Darren Waller typical 15, 20 target game out of nowhere. And maybe Drake is, you know, he gets three or four, but not enough to actually produce as a back. And even if it is a Drake game script, Jacobs is still going to be on the field. So I, I I think my point here is there's going to be games specific for Jacobs where he's going to get, like I said, 25 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns. But there's not going to be any Kenyon Drake-specific games. He's definitely going to have a
1: role, but there's no game where they're like, okay, we need to keep feeding Jake. I, keep, 100%, keep feeding I 100% agree with you. I, I think that these are like, they're going to play different roles, yeah. right? I, I I don't see it as like this is going to be a Jacobs game and this is going to be a Drake game. Sure. I think it's more like this is going to be a Jacobs game or not. You know what I yeah. mean? Okay. Meanwhile, I think Drake's role stays relatively consistent, mm-hmm. right? Sure, in those negative game script games, he maybe he'll be on the field more, rack up a couple more receptions, but I don't think that's really what uh, intrigues me. I think what okay. intrigues me more is that I think he's going to end up splitting carries with Jacobs more than we think, right? And I don't think that <sighs> Jacobs has that 25-carry uh, ceiling Anymore, like as long as Drake is healthy, really? yeah, I I think that like Jacobs' ceiling for carries is like eighteen to twenty max. At I don't this think point. so. I don't think,
0: especially because if it's a game where they can just obliterate this defense, I think they're at a point where they can just like let Jacobs keep running it out. I think that's where they are. I think they trust Jacobs in that type of role, and uh you know, like I said with Drake, I feel like I I understand the value that late in the tenth round, but it's just a situation where, like do I ever actually feel comfortable starting him unless I'm in a deeper league? Like I drafted the first five or six rounds for a reason. I, I don't know if I'd ever feel comfortable putting Drake in my lineup, I guess, unless Jacobs got hurt. You know what I mean? Well, like he I, might I have he, that potential, but at the same yeah. time, like there's no Drake game specifically.
1: I, I totally agree. And and I think what, it, from what you're, the way that you were envisioning what Drake's role is going to be like, I wouldn't start him either. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? I would only start him in the role that I'm envisioning him seeing, which is a much better role than what you're envisioning. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I think that, like, it, it if he gets, like, I'm envisioning, like, 10 to 12 carries per game, five to six, five to seven targets per game, potentially four receptions per game, right? That gives him, like, you know, 14 to 15 touches per game. And I think that itself can be a a, a situation where you
0: know, he becomes I'll, startable. I'll give you the carries, right? I'll assume he's getting those carries. But those targets, I don't think that's going to be consistent. I think there's definitely going to be games where he could see five-plus targets. But at the same time, it could be a Waller game. We don't – I mean, Jalen Rashard is still in that backfield. What if they play some fucker and Jalen
1: Rashard gets involved for some
0: targets as well? I, like, it's not a, I, I, out of the realm possibilities I'm, either. I
1: i I'm, I'm just – I'm what I'm doing is I'm following the tea leaves here, right? And okay. when you pay, when you like, besides Aaron Jones, he was the highest paid free agent, you know. And I don't think like he they paid him just because that's what they wanted to pay him. I think that's what the market was was paying Drake. That's what the market was valuing yeah. him. At. He made ten million um, the year before, so he actually got yeah. A so like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not. I don't think Jalen Rashard is going to be involved in this backfield as much at at all. Um, You know, anything, anything considerable. I do think that because of the fact that they signed him, the fact that Jacobs has been banged up, you know, here and there. um, And, and, you know, Gruden acknowledged that too. So like, I think that they want somebody to be able to carry that load. And since, (laughs) since there has been guys who needed to carry the load in Jacobs absence, I think that's why they signed someone like Kenyon Drake, just to kind of have that plan from the beginning to kind of take some of that load off of Jacob, so they could they could have these backs healthy for the entire season. Pretty sure they That's were kinda, teaming kinda... to Alabama as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So were. there
0: is continuity between the two of them. But yeah, I mean, if you're envisioning that type of role, I, I understand your point on drafting him. But for me, you know, we, we talk of like dead weight on a roster. That's just kind of how I view Drake as a guy of like, I would never feel comfortable like, oh, this is the week to start Drake. Like I told who you knows screen, how it's like, Listen, if Listen, if Jacobs gets hurt, and, but Drake that's the only situation, back? right? If Jacobs gets hurt, if Waller gets hurt, if those, one of those
1: two guys are hurt, i heavily consider throwing Drake on my roster. Waller out. is their that's only weight. weapon. They have nobody, they have nobody outside of Waller. So like the targets need to go somewhere, right? And they can go Kenyon Drake's way but a lot of if times, he's on the field more. A lot of times, like, the targets, even if they
0: have to go somewhere, it doesn't mean they'll have to go to one spot. You know, no, it could be spread not. out. Of like, you know, Tom Brady offenses. When he has no one I'm to throw only, to, it's like, you know, this guy's going to see some, this guy, this guy, this
1: guy, this guy, this guy. You know, I'm I mean? only responding to you talking about Waller, sure. right? Like, sure, okay. like, yeah, Waller, like, if he gets targets, yeah, like, yeah, like, he's going to get his targets, right? But mm-hmm. there are other targets available, right? Yeah. The the Raiders the Raiders passed the ball on the lowest percentage of their plays last year. So they're 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 not going to they were not run heavy. They were not pass heavy on a you know per play uh sure. rate last year. So like they have targets to go around if they want to start passing the ball a little bit more. Right, they couldn't pass the ball last year because they had nobody besides Darren Waller. Right, they had Nelson Aguilar, but that'll be like a few targets a game going deep, efficient type of game. Right, Mm -hmm. but if they want to open it up a little bit, that's that that is potentially why they signed someone like Kenyon Drake to that contract. Now, I'm not drafting Kenyon Drake in the 10th round because I want to put him in my starting lineup, he's not going to fit right, he's not going to fit in my starting lineup when I'm drafting him in the 10th round, but he's going to be on my bench. So there I'm I'm drafting him for the range of possibilities that uh, he has a role in the run game that's not Jacob's role, but close relatively close to it, you know, maybe averaging five less carries a game, something like that. But the added element of being more involved in the pass game is, is why I'd rather take him, you know, around five, five or six rounds later. That's kind of my fear. I really
0: like this streak debate. I thought there was a lot. On each side that we each provided, I want to hear what you know for the people listening. I, I want to hear what their thoughts. Are. I want to see where everybody else lies because yes. I think everybody's so split on Drake's actual value and you know if he let's is put the it value out there. Let's
1: yeah. um let's put it out there. I would love to, for people to 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 maybe we'll, we'll put a poll in our stories yeah. you know, on Instagram or something like that, and we'll go from there. Um, and your stories will probably probably all say Jacobs, and my stories will all say Drake, probably. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Now, like if you look at if you look at the fourth round right now, the running backs that are going there: Chris Carson, David Montgomery, then Josh Jacobs, Etn, Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin. Are there any of those guys that you would take over, Jacobs?
0: Jacobs? I mean, would that would that? I would take Jacobs over
1: now. No, right. Um The next couple of guys: Kareem Hunt, Chase Evans. You would take him over those two, right? Um, I'm wondering.
0: So. Edmonds is close in a PPR. Yeah. I think I'd still lean Edmonds. I I think I would as well. So, but after that, because and I know this is like the ADPs we're looking at now, but in yeah. reality, in mean, like a real draft in that fourth round, Chris Carson is not going to be there. David Montgomery in at yeah, least Chris from Carson is seen, more. So I'm be. looking
1: at it right now. Chris Carson is more like you know mid, mid to end a third round. David Montgomery is in the fourth round you know, yeah. early fourth, probably, like, yeah, like,
0: early fourth. So I think yeah. in reality of it, I think Kareem Hunt's also a guy who go late fourth. So when it comes to fifth round, if I'm still looking for a running back, like I mentioned before, if I'm still looking for a running back mm-hmm. end of the fifth round, Jacob's is staring at me. I'll be like, yeah, you know, join my right. squad. Be a and that means option for me. And if I see a great matchup,
1: he can yeah. blow up. And that means he'll be a, he'll be, he will be drafted outside of, of the top 24. He'll probably be drafted as like a yeah, top. It's about where I have him ranked. So top as well. 30 back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um let's move on. I don't remember where we were. We just started talking about Kenya. We drink, talked about brother. how Derek Carr is used. Um, we had a
0: good Drake and Jacobs debate. So I think yes. it's Waller. Okay. I feel like Waller's a quick hit,
1: right? Yeah, like he I think we talked about this two weeks ago. Um, I put him as my number two tight end behind Kelsey ahead of yeah. Kittle. Uh, that's about where I have season. him Yeah. yeah. I, I just think that he's someone who the passing offense is gonna revolve around, like as you mentioned. Uh, yep. as you made sure to mention, uh, and with the 49ers, um, having a new quarterback this year at some point, you know, Brandon, Ayuk breaking out potentially Depot Samuel, you know, for maybe he's sure. staying healthy. You know, there might be less targets to potentially go around on the 49ers. We you know we're talking about K- Kittle here. Yep. Um, and we know the 49ers want to run the ball too. Right. So Waller is exactly. a beast. He's going to get his targets. So that's why he he left in front of, um, Kittle for me. Yep. Um, so I, I, as far as wide receivers, like John Brown, Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Willie Sneed, these are the guys. And I'm listing all these guys because it's a lackluster list, right? Yep. Like John Brown is a good route runner, but he's old, right? Not sure he'll be able to stay healthy all year long, right? Henry Ruggs, explosive as a deep option, but can he be consistent? I don't know, right? Um, they added Willie Sneed. He's turning 29 in October, so he's not so old yet. But, you know, he's used to playing in the slot. Uh, he did just play with Lamar Jackson, right, in a run-heavy offense. So maybe he can do something, but I'm not sure he gets a firm role over Hunter Renfro, right? Um, but the guy I'm interested in is Brian Edwards. Like, he's a sleeper for me this year. Uh, he got off to a bad foot last year, literally. He had an ankle injury. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the year, he missed six weeks and he wasn't part of the offense. Like after that, like he came back and, you know, I guess he missed so much time that they didn't really put him in that much. Um, Now he began last year as a starter, right? He played 75% of snaps and then 61% of snaps in his first two games. Um, Nelson Aguilar, he's gone now, right? So there is a void on this offense, you know, in terms of targets that he can fill. So, and the reason why I'm bullish on him as a sleeper is because of his college metrics specifically the fact that he broke out in college at 18 years old. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think it was like, I think he was still, he still might've been 17. It was like right before his 18th birthday. Um, But the draft capital of the second round is there Mm -hmm. as well. Um, He hit almost a 50% dominator rating, which is absolutely ridiculous. So when the breakout age and the dominator rating, both can hit like 90 percentile or above, like those are the guys we want to pay attention to. Um, and that ex receiver in the John in a John Wooden often, as we've seen in the past, can do some things, and they had big roles in the past. So, as like uh, you know, a deep sleeper, he's somebody I'll be definitely be paying attention to.
0: Who would you rather draft, Ruggs or Edwards? Um, discounting ADP, they're both available with their last yeah. pick. You have to pick
1: one. For me, it is like a far I'd, and away answer. And it's not even close. Sure. Um, I think I'd rather draft Edwards. Um, and, and the reason for that is because like, I don't think that Ruggs is a type of player that who can be consistent. Um, Derek Carr is still their quarterback. So like, I don't, I don't sure. Like rugs can have his games and all that, but I want a guy who can potentially develop into like a legit X receiver, a legit number one, Y receiver. Um, so that's where I'd rather go. Uh, it's hard for me to not consider ADP because I know that Brian Edwards is free (laughs) and Henry (laughs) Ruggs is like, you know, not free. Uh, But I mean, he's going late anyway, but still like, I I just, I'd rather go, I know that the draft capital leans into Henry Ruggs favor, but at the same time, like I I don't view, I never viewed a Henry Ruggs as a a receiver who can uh, be consistent, you know, in the NFL and be like a, be like a Deshaun Jackson type even, to be honest.
0: So for me, it's far and away Henry Ruggs. And here's the reason you mentioned the X receiver in this offense that that role is already taken Darren Waller is the primary factor in this offense he had 100 over 140 targets last year no matter what Brian Edwards amounts to be he is not going to get priority over a guy like Darren Waller who has proved himself to be the number one weapon of this offense outside of that so if you're looking at a situation where the primary role is already taken, this is generally a run-heavy offense. I want the guy with the, big, with the big game potential. I want the guy like Henry Ruggs, who's going to be that week-to-week, deep threat type guy. And Henry Ruggs last year, he ranked first in target quality. I know it's a small sample size he had the best target quality score out of any wide receiver last year he had 17.4 yards per route uh, yards per reception 10 and a half yards per touch I mean he was number one in target separation last year out of all the wide receivers again small sample size but what that's telling me is that like with additional targets potentially coming his way Henry Ruggs is a guy who I'm very much in on at the very end of my draft. I can get him past the 10th round. I'm okay with the upside. I know it's going to be a run heavy offense, especially with Drake there now. You have Darren Waller as the number one weapon. I want the guy with the higher upside. I want the guy with the big game potential. Edwards, yeah, he might see a little more targets, but if we're talking about long touchdowns, we're talking about big plays, Henry Ruggs, your guy. So if I'm buying into any of these Raiders wide receivers, it's it, it's going to easily be rugs for me.
1: Yeah, I, I just I was never a fan of rugs as a prospect. Um, Me neither. I, I wasn't. Know. I
0: wasn't a huge fan of either. I thought he was taken yeah. way too high. And um, to see him being taken in front of C. D. Lamb and Jerry Judy was also kind of like, what the hell is going on?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Now, the X receiver is not Darren Waller, right? Darren Waller is a tight end, right? He he doesn't play that X receiver role. So, like when we're Basically, talking about like sure, but but listen, like when we're talking about an X receiver, like the Raiders didn't have an X receiver last year,
0: okay. and
1: X receiver also doesn't mean that. They're the guy, they're the receiver who gets the most targets, right? Who plays, Who who's the X on the Cowboys? Michael Gallup, right? Michael yeah. Gallup plays the X, right? Yeah. He didn't receive the most targets last year. He was out-targeted by tight ends, by C.D. Lamb, and by Amari Cooper, right? So yeah. it doesn't mean that he's going to get the most targets, but what, what it does is that they are a certain position, they're locked on one side of the field, they're locked at the line of scrimmage, right? Like the Z plays off the line of scrimmage, the slot, you know, kind of moves around a little bit. Sure. Um but Brian Edwards in 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 John Gruden offense, if he's able to uh if he's able to, you know develop into a legit wide receiver, I do think he has a lot of upside, he has a potential week to week floor it might not be this year right because he did miss a ton of time last year for him to make uh to him to be super you know fantasy relevant in 2021 that means he would have to make a ridiculous jump right a dj chark type of jump right from year one to year two right um is it possible i think so i think with him his pedigree i do think it's possible but like with henry so I think me and you, like, we, we might have differing opinions about what kind of players we want on a fantasy team. Sure. Because for me, like, Henry Ruggs, I don't think it's that easy to 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 uh, to know when Henry Ruggs is the guy to put in my lineup, right? He might have a few ga- few games that, you know, isn't great, and you leave him on your bench. He blows up while he's on your bench. These aren't the type of players that I like, personally, okay. because I know that I'm going to have a bunch of other fantasy players who are more reliable, who are more consistent, Sure. Henry Ruggs has a ceiling. There's no doubt about it, but is he going to have, I'm looking for a guy who has a ceiling who, you know, season long type of ceiling, not a game to game type of ceiling. Um, high variance is great for tournaments and, and, dra- and draft Kings and, 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 uh, yeah. and FanDuel best ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, every player who's not a good redraft player, he's definitely a good fa- uh, baseball player, right? Sure. That's the that's the joke going around these days. But I'm somebody who 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 wanted who wants to go for potential consistency. We know that John Gruden has favored that X position for a for a, you know he has a huge career, right? A very long career. So he's had his X receiver do do that, and it hasn't even been like amazing players either. Right, it's just been certain guys in that offense who happens to sure. receive a ton of targets. Um, but you know, Brian Edwards is just somebody who I think you know extremely late in drafts. He's not even being drafted and the end of roster type of guy, right? Just to see what what happens because I do think that I w- I was somebody who th- thought he was a sleeper last year, and he ended up being a starter, but he got hurt, and yeah. I think that that played a huge factor into into him not having a role throughout the season. And with Nelson Aguilar gone now. Yeah. You know, now, like, one thing that I do like about Henry Ruggs, though, is that with Nelson Aguilar gone, way more deep targets, right, yeah. for Henry Ruggs because Nelson Aguilar was the guy getting those deep targets last year um, who was more consistent, right? So if a lot of that can go towards Henry Ruggs, that will be huge. Now, with Henry Ruggs and Nelson Aguilar on the field together last year, they gave defenses some problems, man, because there was serious speed on the field at the same time. Defenses had to pick their poison, Um and Nelson Aguilar won more often than not. Um, so, you know, I hear you on, on, the, on the Henry Bugs thing. Um, you know, he, he's a dynamic player. He's going to have his games. I just – I'm going to be – I have a feeling that I'm going to be very confused <laughs> about when to play him and when to actually put him in my lineup. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. And, you know, you make some good points in
0: association to that. But I think at the same time, like, if you're drafting someone at the end of your drafts, I think you're just kind of looking for pure upside – Right. Like, I'm not drafting a guy in the 16th round and going like, oh, he'll probably be consistent. Like, you know, I I can bet on this guy being consistent week to week factor as opposed to a guy like Henry Ruggs where I'm like, okay, if I'm in a bind and I need him, at least I know he has the chance to give me a big game. Like with 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 Brian Edwards, it's kind of like a situation where he like he physically has to string together three or four games where he's like 10 plus points for you to be like, okay. Now I can trust him. Right. Before that point, you're not putting him in your roster above any of the guys you have on your team. And the chances of him doing that with Darren Waller as the number one clear cut, number one target. with the offense being as inconsistent as it is with there being a run rush heavy offense. I I just don't want to bet on that. I don't want to bet on him one day becoming consistent. I'd much rather go for a guy like Ruggs if they at the same ADP, so to speak.
1: Yeah. um, Right. No. I hear you. Depth is depth, so I understand. I have two points to make. I'm never looking for depth. I'm never looking for depth in the 16th round. Yeah. Right. The first point is like when I'm looking when I'm at the end of my drafts, I'm looking for upside as well, but I'm not looking for the same type of upside you're looking for. I'm not looking for the upside for that game to game type of upside because the game to game type of upside can happen. Like, okay, like he didn't do it week one, he didn't do it week two, am I going to keep him on my roster? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to keep that guy on my roster. So I'm, I'm looking for the upside where a player has this amazing role come week one. And you're like, Whoa, I knew that was in his range of outcomes. And now I'm happy that I picked that guy because now he's going to be a legit um, option for me throughout the rest of the season. Sure. Right. I don't look at it as I'm not shooting for upside for game to game upside. I'm looking for upside for season long. Number two, um, like a guy, whoever I'm drafting super late, I'm I'm looking at their role week one, and if they don't have a big role week one, they're going to be on the chopping block, right? They're going to be. I'm going to definitely consider. Yeah, I'm definitely going to consider dropping these guys. So, like for example, Brian Edwards, right? Let's say he's on my roster uh, before week one. Week one comes, Brian Brian Edwards gets four targets, right? Um, I'm going to look at his targets. I'm going to look at his air yards. I'm going to look at how how, what percentage of routes that he ran. I'm going to look at uh, market share all that kind of stuff, if it's not great, I'm cutting his ass. I'm cutting him because we know what they want. What they wanted to do coming into the year. Most of the time, these type of things play out in week one. Uh, worst comes to worst, I can always pick up Brian, Brian Edwards later on or, sure. or, or these type of guys later on, you know, once their role kind of increases, you know, and, and you always got to do this every single week throughout the season, yeah. by the way, just to kind of see like, okay, who's being used more, you know, who's being used less, that sort of thing, and just continually evaluate that.
0: Now, I think, and this is the last point I'll put on this because I gave way too much time. I know,
1: but you know what? I know we're not so, we're talking about Brian Evers, super like who cares Raiders. But I think this is a very important conversation to have. Yeah, I think it because it just this. goes to show the, the mindset of the type of guys we might be looking for. Why think, all that?
0: Yeah, but my last point on that was there is a world where Henry Ruggs, does have that role that you're envisioning for brian edwards i mean he was drafted in the first round he's drafted over jerry judy and drafted over cd lamb they must have some type of vision of who he is for this offense uh you know me and you might be sitting here and saying like oh that can change and like you know he might just be this deep threat guy but there is a world where he does have that role that you're thinking of for brian edwards
1: yeah, I guess I. I and like, I think like that my, adds on to his week to week big so, 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 game upside so, so as well. So when I think about when I think about Brian Edwards, I think about Michael Crabtree, right? Yeah, that's I think fair. about I think about you know those. That's types actually of a really players. good comparison. That I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 that's who I think about. Right when I think about Henry Ruggs' upside, I think about like you know, Deshaun Jackson, which is like complete upside, right? Of course, I'd rather have someone like that because you know Deshaun Jackson is a player that you know, can string together some really good games, right? He's done it in the past and he's become, he's been very fantasy relevant in the prime of his career. Um, But I I think of like possession guys, right? Especially since we play in PPR leagues, possession guys, if you can be, you know, the number two option on that offense, if they pass the ball a little bit more to Waller, you know, they could be somewhat relevant, you know, that's kind of how I look at it.
0: Right. okay well, we'll end it there that was way too much let's do it let's do it let's
1: end it there man <laughs> great great debate i love it i love how we debated about brian Dam edwards i love it um, and josh
0: jacobs and Kenyon drake i love it.
1: I love, oh, it I love it i love it okay moving on to the chargers justin herbert um so for me like and i'm curious to to know what you think about justin herbert you know he's not somebody i'll be drafting this year most likely um his adp is in the fifth round um he's just he's not a rushing quarterback right and You know, he threw for 31 touchdowns as a rookie, which is awesome. But can he regress in a new system? You know, last year was a new system as well. Obviously, rookie COVID, that was a very tough situation to overcome, but he did it, right? So, like, maybe that's not a good argument. But um, as a rookie, he flourished. And, you know, but for me to expect more from him or even the same in a second year and, and to pay for that expectation to be true, I'm not really about that. And and, and really, like, only because he doesn't have that rushing floor to support it, right? You mentioned Lamar being taken around that spot, too. Um, I think he's a great quarterback, and I think he's super, you know, he's a young guy, and he's very, very promising career. Uh, But I just don't want to bet a fifth-round pick on him uh, to continue, like, gaudy numbers, right? Like, he scored five touchdowns on the ground as well last year, uh, which definitely elevated some of those games. Um, You know, who knows if that continues. That's something that can regress that's something that that's pretty um variable right going into next year so 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 what's your take on justin herbert in terms of his price and in terms of like whether you think that um like what kind of year you think he's going to have
0: so with quarterbacks and rushing touchdowns i don't think there's ever truly like a good track record or stat or necessarily like a good projection for that like you never want to go into the season say like oh this guy unless this guy like lamar jackson who's going to see over 100 carries where yeah. you can say oh he'll easily have five touchdowns because it's completely random tom brady is a guy who runs for negative yardage each year and sometimes he has three touchdowns sometimes yeah. he has none so it's it, it's hard to predict these type of touchdowns but i i do think justin herbert's in a point where with that improved offensive line and the running back room, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute, I think Justin Herbert could easily see five plus rushing touchdowns this year. I think that's a trend that definitely can continue, and I'll get into that a little bit when we talk about Austin Eckler. Um, my concern with Herbert is the new offensive system with him being so young and jumping into a new system right away. That you know, it, it's not always great. He's got a great offensive line. He's got a great alpha wide receiver. He's got a good running back. So I mean, he, he's in a position to where he can succeed and it's just about how quick he picked up the system considering how quick he picked it up last year I'm not you know all that much worried about that either so Herbert's my sixth ranked quarterback I would take him in like the seventh eighth round if I can get him in that range I think that's a fair price to pay for him and uh, you know as as a second year player with upside he threw for he, he broke all the rookie records there is to break really you know touchdowns yardage whatever it was. So um, yeah, I I mean, I definitely about buying into him as a talent.
1: Yeah, I mean seventh eighth round like for me that's a no brainer. Like I'll take him all day long. But he's going in the fifth right now, which is a little tough for me. Um, That's tricky.
0: I don't. I don't. I I mean, when it comes like this is another situation where again when it comes to the real draft. Yeah. Like the drafts, I because I already did like two drafts for some fucking reason because we're nuts and it's June. But like quarterbacks, you know, Justin Herbert went in the sixth and seventh round range. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I didn't see quarterbacks going that early. I, it was the second quarterback wasn't taken until the fifth round,
1: yeah. I, I in think, those drafts, yeah, so. I know. And like, when you're in like in a hot, in a, in a, in a expert league, or like when you're in sure. like a league that has sharps in it, usually quarterbacks fall, you know, especially exactly. guys like Justin Herbert. Um, so you can get those guys in the sixth round potentially. Um, but you mentioned Austin Eckler, I'm extremely high on him. Like, I think yeah. he could be a top five PPR running back. Um, And and he's simply like my favorite running back to grab at the one, two turn. Like he has the shot. He has a shot at multiple 10 reception games. Um, You know, the coaches coming from new Orleans where Alvin Kamara did, did things very similarly. And these coaches acknowledged that after coming to LA Uh, and even though like Eckler, like likely won't get goal line looks, he can easily see 20 touches a game. Um, You know, with most of that coming in the pass game, which adds up to a ton of fantasy points. Like, the more that target to carry ratio is in favor of targets with high volume, the better. And, you know, new coaching staff, you never know, maybe some more chances near the goal line, who knows um, new coaching staff. You never know. Maybe things regress for him as well. Um, I'm not so interested in like Justin Jackson, right. But if this is going to be a timeshare, it's possible. Either him or Josh Kelly gets some work. Um, but yeah, no, I, and, and let me, let me ask you, like, where you're going with the Justin Herbert thing. It's like, do you think that these guys aren't good enough to, like, be legit goal line options, and that's why Justin Herbert might get those opportunities?
0: Yeah, I mean, Kalen Balaj was their best goal line back last year, and he's not even on the team anymore. Like, yeah. very easily, Kalen Balaj was far and away their best goal line and short yardage back. Um, Austin Eckler, as a receiver, all power to him. I think that alone definitely puts him in running back one territory, especially PPR with 10 plus targets game. I mean, that's insane. That's like Christian McCaffrey, but the only thing we're missing about him is the rushing, right? Like Austin Eckler, he's a capable runner, but he's nothing special on the ground. I mean, if you're looking at any of his stats from last year, big run rate, was in the fifties yards per touch 5.5. That's not bad, but you know, you come to yards created per touch. He had 1.1 which was 41st overall in the league, 33rd in yards created. It's a whole, uh, you know, it's just the offensive line wasn't great last year. I understand that, but he had one goal line carried last year, one the entire year, one goal line carry. And I know he was hurt for a good chunk of games, but overall, like that's why Justin Herbert had the rushing touchdowns that he did. You know what I mean? I think that's only going to create more opportunities for Justin Herbert so, And Austin Eckler, career-wise, he's never been a guy who has produced heavily on the ground. I know he had a high yards per carry last year, and I understand through his career he's been efficient in that sense. But he, he's not this overly impressive running back like Christian McCaffrey is. He, he's not a guy who's going to get 1,000 on the ground, a 1,000 in the air. I think a 1,000 in the air is more likely than 1,000 on the ground for a guy like Austin Eckler. I'd be surprised to see Eckler hit over 500 yards on the ground, to be honest.
1: You know, it's just going to come down to how much did work you say, he gets. Did you say you, you're going to be surprised if Eckler hits 500 yards on the ground next year? Yeah. Over 500, yeah. You want to bet? <laughs> With 17
0: games, you know, I that was – okay. I'll bet I – mean, uh, how about
1: 750? You want to go 750? I'll
0: reel it back. Let me reel it back. Let's go 750. Give me give me, give me a chance to reel it back. Oh, 750 <laughs> yards? Yeah, let's go 750. I thought you were saying $750. I was like, oh, No!
1: 750 yards on the ground, yeah. assuming he plays 15 games. 15 yeah. full games. Yeah. All right, we got we to gotta figure out what, what the bet is. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But that that's the bet, 750 yards. Listen, Eckler is not – he has improved a ton in the run game, man. Sure. Like, if you look at his yards per contact over – you know, yards, yards after contact per attempt last year, he was 17th in the league, man. You know, with, with running backs who had, you know, over – but if you know, you're talking about a guy top five upside, 17 oh, yeah. isn't good enough. Listen, man, like it really is. Like, uh, like Alvin Kamara, like he doesn't he doesn't hit those th- he doesn't hit those thresholds either. Like Alvin Kamara had less yards after counts per attempt than than Eckler did last year. Well, awesome, but Alvin Kamara has also proven
0: that he could be a goal line back. He's proven he can be early down back. Oh, sure. He's proven sure. he has that big run ability.
1: Eckler hasn't done that. Eckler definitely has the big run ability, right? Just because he didn't do it last year, doesn't mean that he hasn't done it. Did he do it do? We the saw. Year we saw what. Oh yeah, we saw what his upside was the year before when Melvin Gordon missed. Right, he did it last year, and he did it the year before too. Right, he had that. He had that. Um, that big play ability, and we saw that he could score from anywhere um, on the field. And when he was with Melvin Gordon, when he was his complement, he was scoring. He never had to go on a goal roll there either, but he was scoring touchdowns. He could score from anywhere he wants. It's really a matter of like him scoring like six, seven, eight that, touchdowns. That's the only on thing D-O. that worries me too, is Austin Eckler the kind of guy that works
0: better as a compliment, right? And it doesn't have to be him being a 1B. He could be a 1A, but does he work better as that rotational type back as opposed to this type of workhorse? Because, you know, is he the guy you want? running on first and 10 to like run up or like, you know, third and short, is he the guy you want running through the middle? Like probably not. I mean, based on oh, the guys listen, they have, exactly. he's probably the best guy. available other than he Justin is, Herbert, who at he, his highs and his weight could.
1: Austin Eichler the best running. The, Austin Eichler the best runner on their team. Best is running back. Proved, yes. He's the best runner on their team. And he proved it last year. Goal-line-wise, I, I give the ball oh, talking about We're not talking
0: about goal-line Okay, right runner-wise, yeah, he, he's the best runner. Okay, there we goal go. Goal-line-wise, yeah.
1: There we go. Yeah, of course. Goal, he's a small back, dude. He's a really small back, so they don't want mm-hmm. him there. Um, this coaching staff might, who knows, but the last two coaching staffs did it, right? Anthony Lynn, well, n- not even, right? Anthony Lynn was the court, was the coach for them, you know, for a few years now, um, and he didn't want to give him goal-line looks. But with his new coaching staff, who knows? It's possible. Um You don't need to have goal line, like for a guy like him, who's getting that many goal line looks, you don't need to be, um, you know, you don't need to have like 10 to 12 touchdowns in order to be a top five running back. If you're getting seven, eight, nine receptions per game. You know what I mean? So it's Uh very possible that that he ends up being down on on a points per game basis in PPR leagues. And listen, we're only talking about PPR here. We're not talking about standard. We're not talking about half PPR. We're talking about PPR. And even in half PPR, these receptions and these targets are worth way more than carries anyway. Um, but yeah, he's in a situation where he's super safe on on a, on a per game basis, um, and he has a ceiling because if he gets twenty touches, you know per you know eighteen to twenty touches per game, the likelihood that he scores seven, eight, nine, ten touchdowns is high. Yeah, even without goal line looks, and I'm talking about seven, eight, nine, ten uh, total touchdowns, right? Not just in the rushing game, but in the receiving game as well. He's not going to end the year with zero touchdowns. Just because he doesn't have goal line looks, so he's going to be fine. Um, last year, I think he was like the RB three in games that he played, or something like that. Which is stupid. Which is ridiculous. He was he was top five running back the year before too. Uh, you know, with Mel- with Melvin Gordon out. Um, so I'm I'm in on him. He they paid him they paid him the money. The organization bought into him. Um, and is they, he an easy, easy first rounder for
0: you?
1: Yeah, easy, easy at the one two turn. Easy. Okay. I like him more than. I like him more than a lot of these backs in the first round. Don't man. say it. Honestly. Don't say it. Okay, so 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 I'm going to go through some backs in the first round. Let's have some fun. Don't say his name. Let's have some fun. Don't say his name. What, don't say Alvin Kamara? No. Oh, okay. Um, I'm taking him over Jonathan Taylor. No. I'm taking him over – well, he's already going over Nick Chubb. Um, he's already he's already going over Aaron Jones because Aaron Rodgers is an issue. I'm taking yeah. him over Acres. I'm taking him over Mixon. Are, were you saying Mixon? No, yeah. right. I would take Mixon over. Okay, see that that's where that's where that's <laughs> where I, I I wouldn't be able to do that. I have I them agree. one spot next to each other. I have Mixon tenth and I have Eckler eleventh. Gotcha, gotcha. Like I would have Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin. Let me not say Kamara yet. Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. And then Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara are like at the same exact tier for me. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I wow. feel about that. Okay. Crazy. Crazy. But yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I think that he's like a top six, seven running back easily, as long as he stays healthy. Okay. Um, okay. I think we're done talking about that. Um Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Easily a wide receiver. One high end, you know, you could say mid wide yeah, receiver one. Pretty easily, um, I mean, he it was, it was like clockwork last year as a guy
0: who had Keenan yeah. Allen on his team. It was like Keenan Allen gets his touchdown, Keenan Allen exactly. gets his
1: touchdown, Keenan I think Allen was gets like, his touchdown. I think he was like top. I think he he was uh, like a top three wide receiver, right, with Justin Herbert. Oh yeah. Um, in fantasy points per game. Yeah. So his touchdown upside has been unlocked finally with Justin Herbert. Um, so I'm I'm happy with him. You know, if he's my wide receiver one. Uh, let me ask you about Mike Williams, man. What's your take on him? Do you think he can ever become a consistent fantasy option maybe this year? Like, if you do, explain, because I don't see it. But Yeah, I, I mean, I
0: think at this point the hype has kind of died out. And, and the hype and the hope for Mike Williams has really died out. He's not someone I'm necessarily targeting. I I understand <laughs> – there's always that upside of if Keenan gets hurt and that's really when Mike Williams value has shown through where Keenan gets hurt and Mike Williams gets his huge 30, 40 point game. I mean, and when Keenan Allen gets hurt and Mike Williams has a 30, 40 point game, I don't even know if I said that, but um, yeah, that's really where his value kind of lies. Um, if, if you're drafting past the 10th round and he's sitting there in the 11th and you're weighing your options and you're like, Sure. Why not? I'll take Justin Herbert's wide receiver too. And I understand Henry, Henry, not being there either. That was always the issue with these two guys was that Henry would take away from Williams potential value and Williams would take away from Henry's potential value. Henry ended up getting his in the end, but overall it was like when these two were on the field, it was like, okay, I can't really fully buy into either of them. You know, Hunter Henry as a tight end is a lot easier to buy in because he doesn't require as much, but Mike Williams you know what he required with hunter henry on the field just wasn't possible so that's the only part that intrigues me the fact that you can get him really late and you know the fact of if keen allen gets hurt you have a potential wider you know high-end one more wide receiver two on your team yeah. and that's just who he's been when keen Allen has been hurt so the late round upside i i understand but no i'm not buying into him as this week-to-week wide receiver too.
1: got it got it okay um Donald Parham, you know, isn't getting, like, a ton of hype. He's that guy. But but he, he fits the bill, right, as an athletic tight end who can come out of nowhere this year. Um, the problem, you know, there's a problem that Jared Cook might get more snaps than we want. Um, but, I, you know, I, he didn't look good last year. I'm hoping that Parham can be their primary weapon in the pass game out of these two. Do you think there's a possibility that, like, Jared Cook, out of, like, sheer, you know, volume or touchdowns, ends up being, like, a top-12 tight end? You think it happens just because, like, no one wants it to happen, but you you think, like, it can happen? I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's definitely in
0: the realm of possibilities, Yeah. given that Jared Cook has always been that guy to just do that when nobody's expected it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, if we're looking at the talent, we're looking at the roster, I mean, Parham showed to be capable last year. Yeah. When Hunter Henry missed a game or two. he He caught a touchdown, and he looked great doing it. So if I'm trying to buy into anyone, and look, you don't have to draft any oh, of these guys because don't don't draft Jared Cook, guys. Exactly. Don't, don't do it. Don't draft Jared Cook. But if I'm if I'm buying into anyone, I'll buy into Parham. I'll I'll yes. pick Parham up off Dynasty if someone thinks Jared Cook's going to be the guy there. Snag snag Parham off waivers if someone has them running on his bench. Hey, you know Jared Cook's going to be the tight end one there, or maybe do something sneaky, which is what I do, is, like, include him as a throw-in to a different trade. So if I'm trading with someone at Dynasty and I don't want them to know, like, hey, like, I'm actually really targeting Parham, I'll make them a one-for-one offer of, like, two guys they would be okay swapping and be like, ah, throw in Parham and you got a deal. You know, that's...
1: I uh, like that strategy.
0: Huh? I
1: like like that strategy.
0: I do that a lot, dude, because there's be two players where I'm, like, you know
1: yeah like, might as well throw in I'm a saying? player might as well throw in a player who has some upside and for that, them it's probably you know, like for me super low on rosters, their radar i yeah.
0: have like ocd i want a clean roster if i see a guy who's like okay i can't drop this guy but i'll never be able to trade him and if someone was like hey throw him in i'd be like thank god take him off my hands yeah there's a lot of guys on my roster where i'm just like like i had andy isabella on my roster right. for so long it's like right. i love the draft capital i like the player and it just there was no reason to drop him. There wasn't anybody worth picking up. But if someone said, throw him in a trade, it'd be like, absolutely. Take him off my bench, you know, right, give me right, a reason exactly. to get rid of him. So, yeah, that's yeah, how I, I feel like people are with Parham right now.
1: Yeah, no, I hear that. Okay, cool. Um, that's it, guys. We went through all four Ooh, teams. Spicy uh, that, was a, one. that was a good one, man. That was a good one. I loved it. <laughs> I hope you guys liked it as much as we did. Um, thank you for listening. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, and listen to the whole podcast if you're here listen to what i'm saying right now <laughs> but appreciate you guys um i'm faraz at Upperhand fantasy that's joe at fantasy.football.analyst on instagram go check us out there uh can't wait to you know read your reviews for the podcast um and and you know really hear what you have to think uh on instagram so thank you guys again and we'll see you guys next week and i think next week we're gonna hit up the what Ac north we got yeah, the AFC North. North next Joe week. Joe Mixon. Hey, Joe Mixon week. Let's go. Joe Mixon week. Joe Mixon week. <laughs> Woo, big week. <laughs> big week for Joe. All right, cool, guys. Uh, <laughs> I just realized that you guys, you have the same name as Joe Mixon. I just put that together. You know right what? Now. I've never That's made that connection. Why. I've never, you, you made never made that connection. You never did either, huh? Okay. Like I knew
0: it. I just, that wasn't <laughs> a reason, but
1: I like it. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Take it easy. See, see you.